0: Before we get started, ESPN College Game Day podcast is hosted by Reese Davis and Pete Thamel, getting you ready for each weekend in college football. Look forward to expert analysis, guests, and insight when it comes to what you need to know this season with College Game Day every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Listen wherever you get your podcast.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC. That is Ryan Clark, Super Bowl champion, Ryan Clark. I'm the humble former double champion, Daniel Cormier. And today, coming up on the show, we are going Excuse to me. be talking Excuse to Bo me. Excuse Nickle. Yes? DC, <laughs> did you <laughs> just start the
0: show and say, welcome <laughs> to DC? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, well, well, because, now because, I'm a guest no, no, on the show? No, 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 no. no, no.
1: Listen, listen, no, no. Now I said RC first because I mean at some point you can talk about being a Super Bowl champion. So I might as well lead with your you name. Did, I mean I gotta introduce you, you first. Because all you I don't do is talk about I'm the humble champ. <laughs> no, I said, just said this is no, I said welcome, welcome to, to DC. DC and RC. That's Ryan Clark, the Super Bowl champion Ryan Clark, and I'm your humble champion, Daniel Cormier. Because, I, ha- you, dude, if I could go one show without you going, I'm a Super Bowl champion, just like you pull that crap on Channing and Fred the other day, you pull that everywhere you go, man, and at, somebody, at some point somebody got to check you for throwing out that Super Bowl ring all the time. That's just not cool. Well, you know what? You know what? I'm not going to talk about it
0: on this entire show.
1: Okay, I, I, I'll bet you 100 bucks that you do. Guys, coming up on the I show. I bet you 100 bucks. Coming up on the show, 100 bucks. You already owe me money, so might as well make more of your money. Coming up, we are going to be joined by Bo Nickel. Then we're going to tap in and tap out. But before we do that, it's time for Super Bowl champion Ryan Clark to shed a few tears. Ryan Clark, one of your favorite fighters in the world, yeah. Jose Aldo, retired last week. And I mean... It, it, that Jordan crying meme, me crying after I lost, I could only imagine what your living room looked like on Saturday when you heard the news. Like, what is your initial thought to Jose Aldo walking away? The king of real.
0: The, the the first thought was job well done. I think, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes guys hang around a little bit too long. I don't believe Jose Aldo did that. I'm also very – I feel very fulfilled and content that he got a chance to reinvent himself and become a marquee name again, become a guy that we were sitting down or people were buying tickets to watch fight. And, you know, when you go back to his last fight and they even spoke about him saying that he was done in the middle of the octagon while he was on his knees to for him to kind of take the emotion out, go sit at his house, be with his family and then make this decision. I think for for all of the MMA fans who for a decade watched a man, the King of Rio, who was unbeatable, and then to see him have to reinvent himself, drop down a weight class, and become a marquee name in that weight class as well, uh, I just want to say job well done. And I remember Pete Jenkins was a a defensive tackle coach or a defensive line coach at LSU, Philadelphia, Miami, all these different places. And when he called me and told me he was retiring, I said, it's all right, coach. You've done enough. And so I say to Jose Aldo, it's all right, Jose. You have done enough.
1: Hey, that's well said, Ryan Clark, man. Look, I can tell you're getting a lot of reps right now on TV because you are on fire. My goodness. But, Ryan, when you look at – when you, when you look at the amount of time that Jose Aldo held the championship, from 2009 to 17, eight years is a long time. UFC champion, WEC champion. Not only did he he fight for and win those championships, he also was able to win an interim championship at UFC 200 by beating Frankie Edgar, fought for the Bantamweight Championship. There aren't many guys that have come across or come through this game that have done the things that Jose Aldo has done. But not only has he won, he's won at the highest level and even at the very end, he still, RC, looked as though he could compete with the best in the world. And you don't get that in many times when you have a long time great like Jose Aldo was. I think what what the craziest thing about when you realize is that he's like 35 now. So imagine how young he was when he was ruling the world, what, 13 years ago? It was like a 23-year-old kid as the champion of the world. There was a video that came out recently of Jose Aldo buying his first suit. And RC I'll send it to you in a text message. He was smiling. Because he was just a kid from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, that was starting to understand that was a whole different level to life. And he was just loving it, bro. It was that youthfulness that really did make Jose Aldo stand out to everybody. But it was also skill, ability to defend takedowns as an elite. Maker make you pay with those brutal leg kicks and then at the end of his career developing a high level boxing skill set not many people can play with so um, hats off to the King of real. he was one of those guys RC that even at the end bro and even seeing all the people that I have seen in my life and my career as a broadcaster and as a fighter where every time I took a picture with Jose Aldo because I was still in a bit awe of his greatness so great career but I don't think we're going to see him done with combat sports. I think he's just done with mixed martial arts.
0: You know, you you go back to the fight against uh, Mirab and them being in the middle of the octagon and being on their knees and him and Mirab saying after the fight that he told him um, it was over. It's It's one of those odd situations that when you still have one fight on your UFC contract, when the UFC is going back to Brazil soon, you think it would be one of those one of those authentic moments that the MMA world that the UFC never forgets if Jose Aldo lays his gloves down in the middle of the octagon mm-hmm. in Brazil, and so having him go home and have those opportunities to talk to his family, what it says to me is with all of those things looming, this must have been a decision he felt. sure about and was ready to make. Mm -hmm. But to you, D.C., is there any – is it strange to you the timing with still having that fight on Mm -hmm. his contract and with an opportunity to go back to Brazil and maybe give the people of Brazil who have supported him throughout his career that opportunity to salute him in the way that he should be on his way out of the game?
1: You know what's crazy, Ryan, is that not many – mixed martial arts greats actually take the gloves off in the middle of the octagon. Like we miss out on yeah. those moments because you usually will lose when you walk away. You're not leaving on a victory, you know? So you're so disappointed because the competitor in you is the last person to leave the room. So you're so disappointed that you want to storm out of there, but then you start to think about everything that plays into becoming and maintaining uh, uh, fighting at the highest level of the sport. And I think that's what happened with Jose Aldo. I think Jose Aldo went home. He got with Coach Pedneros because Coach Pedneros actually said it earlier than Jose. Coach Pedneros said, I would like for him to retire. Because guys like Jose Aldo that won championships have to have that thing that motivates them in the morning. Losing that fight to Marat pushes him so far down the line. Was Jose really going to rebuild to a championship? No. Could he have fought that fight in Brazil? Could it have been the Cinderella story? Yes, absolutely. But what's it for? There's always got to be a why whenever you're a high-level competitor. And if there's no why, then you're not going to do it. So I can understand the timing a little bit more based on that. Like, why would I go to Rio outside of just trying to recreate a moment that not many mixed martial arts greats get?
0: You know, it's so so crazy that the, the fight world has changed And the world of combat sports has changed so much. I mean, we're going to watch Anderson Silva, one of the greatest of all time to do it. And I think for most of his career, the greatest of all time to fight in the octagon, he's going to be fighting Jake Paul in a boxing match coming up here soon. And we're seeing this more and more from some of the retired champions of the UFC. With Jose Aldo now moving on, from mixed martial arts, you said it doesn't mean he's done with combat sports. Could you see someone with the the lightning quick hands, the the crazy power that Jose Aldo possessed or possesses moving on to boxing or in some other way, another combat sport?
1: I I do. I do. I think he's going to box. And he is most suited for boxing. You know, to the tail end of his career, Jose started working with the Brazilian Marine boxing team, and it was very evident that he had made improvements to his hands. So I think he's going to take that skill set, Ryan, at a bit of an earlier age because Anderson was done by 45. Um, Tito Ortiz, who has boxed, uh, and a number of others who have boxed, was done super late. Even Nate Diaz is going to box, at least that's what I feel. He's about 38 years old. Jose's like 35 years old, so he's still got a lot of time. 35's old in boxing for sure. But he's got time to go and some lucrative fights in boxing. I think that he has the skill set to do very well in boxing, as we have seen towards the tail of in his career. Because even in the stand-up, he was beating Marab Duvalishvili. He was beating like Chito Vera in the stand-up. He's done a great job of, of right. learning and honing in on that craft that have allowed for him to stay at the top of the division for so long. But when we talk about this division, Ryan, we talk about a guy that's moving out, that's that's going on his way. We have to go back to talk about two guys right in the mix of all the things that matter right now, the things that would have kept Jose around. That's Corey Sanhagen, and he fought against, uh, God, the kid from Alpha Male. Song I cannot Yudong. believe I'm missing it. Uh, Song Dong. Song, Song Dong. He fought against Song Dong last weekend. Ryan, that fight showed that Corey Sanhagen is next level, but as we spoke about before, he has always fallen a little bit short of the very, very top. So what did you make of that performance from Sanhagen?
0: DC, I, I thought, first of all, the how technical it was is what stood out to me. But remember, we talked to him about being explosive as well. And when he hits Song Yudong with the elbow and opens up that huge gash, over his left eye, now the rest of the fight, you could see Corey Sanhagen starting to pick him apart as it went along. And I felt like Song Dong fought well in the first round. I think many people uh, would have given Song Dong that first round. So for Corey Sanhagen to now start to pick him apart, work his way from the outside, we started to see some of the kicks, the in and out movement, him kind of pacing himself and making sure he could still attack that eye when he needed to, circling to that side. I just thought it was amazing to watch a technician at work but you can almost see his mind moving kind of like the show the show numbers when every time he was trying to solve a puzzle you could see the numbers numbers working over his head mm-hmm. i saw that from Corey Sanhagen. it was next level striking from him and so i think now you have to look at the top of, of this division right he already lost to Aldermain Sterling he's already lost to uh, Piotr Jan. Obviously TJ Dillashaw as well mm-hmm. has beaten him and so those are your top three guys. Those are the guys that you think will be doing the icky shuffle with us trying to figure out who the champion will be <laughs> moving forward. And so now Corey has to find another fight DC and so I don't know if it's Chito Vera and that's a fight that he will want to take. I think when you look at Marab and his style, that style doesn't necessarily match what Corey Sanhagen wants to do. Kind of that constant pressure, that ability to grapple, keep. Him against the cage but if he wins that fight I think it does put him right back into contention for another t- another title shot I thought it was a masterful for performance I mean he is fighting number nine so I don't necessarily believe that moves him up in any way but it still keeps him in the consciousness of the matchmakers and of the fans who understand what type of fighter Corey Sanhagen is
1: yeah he, I thought he looked phenomenal you know what was most impressive yep. to me was they they just showed a graphic on the, the, the screen that said he was one for 14 on takedowns. That did not matter though, because every time he shot, he made Song Yadong aware that if he got overzealous, if he started throwing too much, because as you know, Song Yadong is known for his power. He has a tremendous right hand, but he always understood that if he overextended himself, Sanhagen would take him down and he did not want to get taken down. So Sanhagen just kept interrupting his rhythm, interrupting his rhythm interrupting his rhythm with just double leg shots getting to the hips then letting them go that to me showed evolution because a lot of times in the fight with Piotr Jan if he would have mixed in a couple takedowns Piotr would never would not have been able to systematically break him down in the way that he did in order to win the interim championship i think that he he showed development i think that he showed that he went away and in that time he got better in that time he got smarter in that time, he got more ring awareness or octagon awareness in order to allow for him to win a very tough fight, a fight in which he was fighting down in the rankings. People don't want to do that. People don't want to be ranked number four in the world in fight number nine because there's so much risk. The upside is for the guy that's on the way up in the rankings. Song Dong was winning. He was losing. He had lost his last couple fights, and he fought that guy, and he beat that guy to not only maintain his ranking, but also propel himself into another big fight a fight that looks like it's going to be marlon chito vera as those guys have started to talk back and forth amongst each other and vera is riding a wave of momentum that is second to none but again fighting behind Corey sanhagen which shows what type of fighter spirit that he has
0: yeah you know dc that's what's crazy about kind of Corey sanhagen's spot though right in the place that he is in the rankings that in order to to get a fight that he hasn't already taken or he has, hasn't already lost he's going to have to fight behind himself in the rankings and i think that puts you in a crazy spot you know like dc i think i'm tough you know what i mean like i feel like that i'm a tough guy and i've had injuries and lost organs and all of these things but i'm watching saturday night and sonya dong has a yeah. cut on his face that i'm just not with dc <laughs> listen I, I, when, when I, I, I'm i like, I'm mildly attractive, DC, and I feel like if I have a big yeah. cut like <laughs> that, I'm not gonna be as handsome as I need to be as life moves forward, you know what I mean? Like, this is a moneymaker. I don't have a face for radio, DC. This is a TV face. You feel me? And so and Ryan. I'm looking at song you Don't, and that doctor is coming in, in the octagon in between every round, DC, and I'm like, he going to stop it. Like, he got to stop it. Like, this man's face is mangled. And he's just like, nah, your face ain't falling off. Let's fight again. So the fight is finally stopped, bro. Do you agree with the stoppage? Do you think it was too late? Do you think he should have let him fight on? Because for me, the gore was so much, I wanted to watch the fight with a Kanye mask on, so I couldn't see it. So how do you feel about the stoppage? (laughs)
1: Hey, mess up that pretty little face, Ryan. Hey, mess up that pretty little face, (laughs) (laughs) right? Dog, it was disgusting. Songgy Dong's cut was disgusting, bro, because it looked like his eyelid or or it looked like his his brow was starting to separate. But then the swelling from the eyelid actually held up the brow. It was a nasty (laughs) cut, bro. But – I, I thought the stoppage was – I thought it had been stopped earlier, but that, that that position, every time he'd go in, he'd go talk to her and Dean, he'd be like, ah, I'm okay with it. I'm like, this dude woke up this morning, <laughs> violence. He chose violence, bro, because he did it before. He did it in the fight right before when Robocop fought. Look at Songy Dong's cut, and look at our reactions. I mean, he, and then look at this dude's cut. No, <laughs> Saturday was the nastiest – Saturday was the nastiest day from the Apex ever seen. Ryan, by the time that it was done, bro, you could just smell blood in the air. It was like the smell of iron Ugh. was just like very present in the, in the little arena. Ugh. It was crazy, dog. If Felder's sitting there, Felder's like super skinny now because he's a triathlete, and he's like, he's kind of like smacking his mouth, like you could taste the blood in his face. But look at this. Look at the UFC and ESPN MMA put me up there because I got to go in the octagon, and I just got blood all over me, RC. I used more hand sanitizer on Saturday <laughs> than I have ever used in my life because them, they, every fight had so much blood. And the one for me that I just could not look was I did not want to look into... Uh, Gregory Rodriguez's brain, bro. Yeah, like, what it was. was he <laughs> <it> was right <sighs> here, and it was just right. It just kept opening, dog. Like every time, like he would do this with his eyes, it would open, and I was like, "This is some ridiculous stuff, man." But then the dude won. He somehow won yeah, the fight. That's just crazy. Was crazy. DC. So here's what's crazy,
0: man. So I've had two plastic surgeries on my face, right? The, the, this scar that you can't really see anymore used to be down to here. I was chasing, I was chasing my cousin, and she fell. I tried to jump over her, and I hit it, the corner of a picnic table, right? So the corner of the, the seat of the picnic table, I hit it with my eye. So my dad runs over, bro, and pulls my face off, right? He, he pulls me off, runs oh. me inside. We run to the doctor. The nurse... The nurse, I was kind of calmed down by now. The nurse at the hospital gives me a lollipop and a mirror, and she goes, "Do you want to see something cool?" And I'm a six year old kid. I was like, "Sure, come on." When I'm, she, she gave me the lollipop and the mirror, and every time I would suck the lollipop, pause. Every time you could see the muscles in my <laughs> face doing this, <laughs> and you can see the muscles, and bro. <laughs> Bro, that was, dog, it was the craziest thing. But that's how I felt watching these fights Saturday. DC, literally, bro, listen, you know I love movies. I was looking for Frank Dukes and Chong Lee from Bloodsport. I don't know if you remember that movie. But one, the movie was ridiculous because Frank Dukes was supposed to be American, but he spoke in Jean-Claude Van Damme's accent. That's first and foremost, (laughs) right? You can't, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme, didn't even try. He didn't try to trick us. But anyway, like, that's what that's what it felt like over the weekend, bad, bro. bro. <laughs> Can you explain to the people, DC, what it's like to have a cut like that or similar to that and keep fighting and getting hit in it, man, and being tough enough to keep pushing forward?
1: It burned so bad, Ryan. Ryan, you couldn't imagine – How much it actually burns. Like when you get a cut like that on your eye, I got a really bad one against Alexander Gustafson. And he would punch me in it. Every time he hit me, it felt like they were pouring alcohol in my freaking face. And then Josh Barnett like elbowed me on the top of my head. So I had this big gash on the top of my head, and the blood was kind of rolling down, and it just kept getting in my eye. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, because somebody, hey, bro, I'm like, somebody save me from this dude. This dude's out of his mind. Like, he, he keep trying to hit me in the eye. I'm like, can somebody save me from this crazy man? No, but it burned so bad. I can only imagine, like, what Song Yudong was feeling every time he hit that. Because it hits you. It, it makes you hit, like, like a flash. You know that flash whenever you're a kid? Like, you get into a fist fight, and the moment somebody lands and they hit you, your yeah. eye kind of flat, you're like, nah, nah, <laughs> it's over, it's over. Like, fight's done, like, fight's done. <laughs> it does that, but then it, like, it literally burns, bro. Like, it burns, and then you know what's the worst part? When you're done, they take that huge cut that's open like this. I had one right here on the side of my, my uh, eye. They go in there with lidocaine, and they frickin' jam mm. that needle right in your frickin' eye in order to... Uh, to, to numb it so they can put the stitches. Right. And you're just the like, oh, uh, it's awful, dude. It's <laughs> awful. So you saw Dana pose that picture of Gregory Rodriguez. They clo- they, he was like yeah. Frankenstein. He <laughs> was, was like Frankenstein was bad, with stitches bro. through his forehead. It was tremendous. It was a fun night, but it was some go- it was gory, bro. I'm telling you, you could smell blood in the apex. It was, it was nuts.
2: Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jet's Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jet's is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
0: Hey, I tell you what, man. I think that when I watch a fight night like that, I realize that that's something I cannot do, and I also never want to do. But one person who <laughs> wants to do that and who thinks that they can be absolutely phenomenal at it is Bo Nickel, right? National collegiate champion from Penn State <laughs> University getting his second opportunity on the contender. Let's bring it on. One round with
1: Bo Nickel. All right, guys. Now it's time to go one round with Bo Nickel. Generally, a guy that's 2-0 and oh does not get the invite to DC and RC. He doesn't get on ESPN quite yet. But... And, and this is not hyperbole. When you are the greatest prospect in mixed martial arts history, like Bull Nickel, Ooh. you get the invite. Ryan, he's my favorite redhead in the world. Bull Nickel, how you doing, my
3: friend? <laughs> doing awesome. Thank you guys for having me on. I, uh, I really appreciate it.
0: Man, thank you for you coming. Know, and listen, now... That you are the biggest prospect in mixed martial arts history. The UFC can finally replace this dude. They were so excited when they got him from a new organization that they put him right on the main card the first time. I think there's a little jealousy there, Bo, of some of the things you've accomplished in the great state of Pennsylvania, along with the other champions like the Pittsburgh Steelers, D.C.
1: Yo, this guy. This guy needs to stop bragging on his damn Super Bowl ring, Doug, you, Okay, it looked cool, right? The confetti's cool and all that. But be cool. more like me. Be more humble, like me and my friend Habib. We don't even talk about our championships. We <laughs> kind of just like let it speak for itself. Ryan Clark, you could learn something from me and all my great friends from Dagestan. Hubo Nickel always. Says let's get the ball. But Bo, let's talk about. <laughs> let's talk about the fight. Because the first fight on the Contender Series was as expected. You dominated. You dominated, guys, as you have done in this short period of your career. But this kid that you're fighting next week, he says, I was, I was bragging about you on the pay-per-view. And he immediately tweeted me and goes, Watch, DC, you're writing me off like everybody else, but I'm going to beat Bull Nickel and I'm getting the contract on the Contender Series. To that, what do you say, my friend?
3: Man, uh, these guys are pretty, uh, pretty hilarious to be thinking that way. You know, uh, in my opinion, I just feel like obviously that's not going to happen. And at the end of the day, you know, this dude's never felt someone like me. I'm going to get in there and have my way with them. You know, finish him quickly, easily, and you know, move on healthy and uh, yeah, collect that contract.
0: I mean, you think about your your first fight in a contender series. You're fighting someone that misses the weight. You still go in and you get the finish you had to be expecting that you would get the contract, not getting the contract and having this fight set up for you on the contender series. Again, how has that kind of fueled your fire and also let you know what type of performance you need to have so you can get that contract after this fight?
3: Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, obviously the goal is to just go out there and compete to the best of my ability each time. So, um, with that, I figured that I would get a contract after that first fight, but, you know, at the same time, I'm I'm 1-0, you know, I've only, and now 2-0 after that last one, so I've only had two fights, and I, I understand wanting to get more experience for me, and I don't mind it at all. You know, I was grateful for the quick turnaround, being able to fight again in six weeks, and so for me, it's business as usual. I'll just go back to uh, doing what I do best and smash this dude and collect the contract this time.
1: What I love most about Bull Nickel is... First fight was a knockout. Bo, your hands look tremendous. I could not believe when I saw you knock that guy out how clean your hands look. But, Bo, when are we going to see some of the high amplitude things that you came to be known for in wrestling? Like, why don't you go grab a couple dudes and just throw them in the air, man? Like, go grab some of these dudes. The big dog.
3: <laughs> I'm saving it, DC. I'm saving it for uh, for the big show. You know, maybe my UFC debut. On a main card, pay-per-view card, maybe, uh, I'll, I'll pick somebody up and, and drop them on their head, something like that. I know you love it, so I'll uh, after I do it, I'll give you a quick shout-out or something.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, it's super cool, Bo, um, and just reading up on you and studying. You know, you had two parents that were both collegiate athletes, and you obviously became a star um, in college as well, becoming a national champion at Penn State. As you go forward in your professional Career, was that always something you wanted to do while wrestling at Penn State? Were you looking forward to having this opportunity into being a mixed martial artist and joining the UFC?
3: Yeah, it's absolutely been something on my mind for a long time. You know, uh, as, as a young kid, I remember watching UFC events and, um, you know, just definitely seeing myself in those guys' shoes uh, at a certain point. And, you know, for me, Coming through wrestling in college, uh, accomplishing what I did, Uh, it kind of just made sense to make that my next step. And you know, I just I just felt really drawn to MMA, really passionate about it. That big environment, you know, after collegiate wrestling, you don't really get that again in wrestling. So you know, you can win the world championships and win the Olympics, but you don't get the opportunity to compete in front of you know twenty, thirty thousand people and that environment that MMA brings. And I just I love that. That's something that I enjoy most about what I do. So I'm looking forward to competing on big stages again.
1: You know, the one thing about that group of guys that went through Penn State with you, you guys would not only win, but you picking dudes up, hugging them, kissing them after you pin them, just the most disrespectful stuff (laughs) that I have ever seen in my entire life. And I ain't going to lie. Like, as an Oklahoma State guy, I loved it, but I couldn't tell nobody that I loved it. But you're (laughs) also starting mixed martial arts. And, again, kind of guiding guys from Penn State. Because I see you out there sparring with Starachi. I see you out there sparring with Aaron Brooks. Is that what's good? Like, do you feel like a lot of those young guys, national champions like yourself, are going to f*** you into the sport of mixed martial arts? Because they all seem to be very uh, eager to do it and not afraid to tell people, just like yourself, that you're going to be great at it.
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we got a bunch of dudes coming up who are going to be transitioning over to fighting. Um I know, I know DC, you're an AKA guy, and, and you love the, the Dagestanis, but we got some new wrestlers, some new blood coming up, collegiate wrestlers, some of the best of the best, and uh, you know, I, I think in you know, three to five years, we're absolutely going to be taking over the sport, and uh, yeah, I'm excited just to showcase you know, myself, what, what American wrestling's all about, and in addition to that, just kind of trailblaze the way for all these guys coming up, you know, I'm kind of the first one, but like I said, we got a ton of dudes coming up, and yeah, we're going to be taking over here shortly.
1: Hey Bo Nickel, Bo Nickel. Before I let you go, you talk, my guy. Does it does it add a little pressure? Though, like, are you? It does it make you a little bit nervous that these dudes get to punch you? Like, they get to punch you in the face because not only <laughs> is it the guys that may be coming up, they got yeah. some former champions and champions that you're like. Right. Hey, I went out there the other day and said I might favor you against dudes in the top ten right now, and people wanted to kill me. So imagine how they feel about you right now. What does that? Why do are you for always me? stirring stuff up? <laughs> Man, come on, man. I'm messy, man. You know I'm messy.
3: Man, I I honestly bring it. I'm ready to go. So, you know, I don't think a lot of dudes like to talk and say crazy stuff how, you know, I'm only 2-0. I don't have experience. I've never been in there. You've never done what I've done. You're not a three-time national champion. You didn't compete for the greatest collegiate program in college wrestling history. Mm. You didn't train since you were five years old. And I, I grew up doing this. This is what I live for. I train every day. I put the work in and, uh, you know, so for them to be coming at me saying, I don't know what it feels like is a little outlandish. I competed in sold out Madison square garden at 18 years old. Like who, who else is doing that? So i think at the end of the day, it's yeah. uh, a little crazy for guys to talk that way. And, you know, um, but the results will, uh, prove themselves. And yeah. as, uh, I get more experience okay, and more boy. fights, people, people jump on the bandwagon when the time comes.
0: Hey, well, I tell you talk, what, bro, bro, I am on b- talk, bro. I'm talk on the bandwagon talk. right now, bro. Talk that talk. Listen, man, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us, man. It's truly an honor to have someone as accomplished as you are in your young life, but also to have you, to be able to watch you move forward and continue your MMA mm-hmm. career, Career, man. We'll be excited to watch it. Best of luck in your fight next Tuesday, man. And we look forward to seeing that finish and hearing more from you because one thing we like on this show is when they talk that talk, but then step into the hey, octagon
3: and do talk. what they you gotta do. <laughs> Pre- appreciate you guys. Thank you hey, for having me on.
1: You know, Ryan, Bo Nickel is a character, but the dude's an absolute winner. But he's looking to kind of make his mark on mixed martial arts. Last weekend in Las Vegas, it was honestly the most tremendous uh combat sports weekend of all time. You had ADCC Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. You had the UFC fights in the afternoon. Joe Rogan went to all of them. But at the end of the night, he went to watch two guys that have truly made their mark in boxing. He got to watch Triple G fight Canelo for the third time. Watching that fight, what did you walk away from that fight feeling outside of judging in boxing is absolutely hard?
0: <laughs> I think the I think the first thing I felt was this should be the last time these two do this. Right? Like we we yes. we've seen it enough. We 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 know what it is. Uh, There there was a draw, obviously, two decisions for uh, Canelo. It's it's time to to move on from this. But I also think it it shows you that big names in in, in boxing or combat sports, they don't really die, DC. Like, like people were still excited Mm -hmm. about the opportunity to watch these two boxing greats face off for the third time. And I think that's always going to be a thing for us. It is such a gladiator sport as is mixed martial arts that when you see someone who could compete at the top of their game, even with Canelo losing his last fight, taking that step up in weight and Mm -hmm. Triple G having lost to Canelo the last time they saw one another, people were excited to see it. It was a unanimous decision. Uh, Canelo Alvarez, at least right now in his career, is clearly the superior boxer to Triple G, but I think this was another time that people got an opportunity to see two of their heroes and two fighters who have truly defined the sport in this era face off again against one
1: another. I think it was years too late. That's what I, that's what I walked away feeling. Like, I feel like this fight, this third fight should have took place three to four years ago. And then you would have got a more competitive fight because Triple G is 40 years old and he showed for himself, especially down the stretch, a real good accounting of himself. Canelo Alvarez was, man, I got to be very careful because I'm always very hard on the boxing commentators. But Canelo Alvarez showed a good version of himself. But by no way did he look like the number one powerful pound, pound fighter in the world, especially fighting Triple G. Uh the story of the, the 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 broadcast was how old Triple G got Triple G was older. He was not himself, but he wasn't a shell of himself. He still showed right. pretty good for himself against a guy that's still in his prime. So Canelo, while he fought good, he didn't have an outstanding performance. And that kind of sucks because I'm probably going to see Canelo at you know somewhere, and it's just going to be like, yo, it, you know what really surprised me, RC, <laughs> was that everybody spoke English at the end of the fight. Like Canelo was speaking beautiful English, Triple G was speaking beautiful English. I was like, when when did Canelo start speaking such clear English? Hey, like he was, I bro. Was, we're going to see the full we're going to see the same thing from we're going to see the same thing
0: from Makachev Oliveira, right? Aren't we? Like, are we going to? Oh. Because, I mean, you know, hey, hey Islam
1: said that Charles. Those Charles English better speak well, English. So. Because England, <laughs> England, England, Islam, the English freaking police, gonna say something to him yeah, if he like don't. The but, dog, English police. <laughs> we, we, we got to watch two of our favorite fighters from a era past. Triple G was that guy, yeah. right? Speaking Spanish, the Mexicans loved him, but he was past his prime, he's done. He may fight again, but we are never going to see the triple G that we all fell in love with 10 years ago. He's he's just not that guy anymore. Time catches up to all of us. Canelo, but he does not have that guy. He can go again. The guy's big. He might lose again to of All. Uh, we are finally getting two guys that are in their absolute primes. Errol yeah, Spitz and Terrence yeah. Crawford are now scheduled to fight. That's the one that everybody should tune into. And yeah. I hope that the pay-per-view numbers looks similar to what we saw last weekend. Because now you're getting two of the best boxers in their prime fighting each other at the right time. Yes. DC, this doesn't
0: happen. You know, like, I think, like, no. we have we, we have gotten to a point in boxing where we feel like we never get the opportunity to see two of the pound-for-pound best in their primes, at a time where they're fighting at their top levels. But that's what we're getting with Bud Crawford and Errol Spence. And obviously, we saw the last fight. Errol Spence goes out. He fights uh, you guys, and he does exactly what he has to do. Terrence Crawford has been taking care of business opportunity after opportunity. When we had Errol Spence on the pivot, I asked him, will we get to see you against Bud? He said, I've had a plan, and I've always had a plan. There's one more belt I have to go get, before I move up, before I do something different, and that's Terrence Bud Crawford. And finally, they make the fight. And you mentioned that we weren't getting to see the pound-for-pound best in Canelo Alvarez. Here's what I do think. The winner of this fight becomes the undisputed pound-for-pound best boxer in the entire world, and I don't believe that you can question it. And that's what's so exciting about seeing this matchup on November 19th
1: especially right now, right, where they're both sitting in the top three of the pound-for-pound rankings, and rightfully so. Both of these guys are tremendous athletes, tremendous boxers, and to have scheduled tells you that we're heading in the right direction in regards to the sport. Hey, boxing's been doing great lately. They've had some really big fights, and they've been able to put some fights together that for a long time they never would have been able to put them together. But what also excites me about this one is there is a rematch clause on both sides. You generally don't get a rematch clause on both sides. So I can only imagine this is one of at least two between these two fantastic boxers. Now, we talked about Canelo and Triple G being a couple years too late. We're getting that again. We're getting it again in the heavyweight division. First off, Tyson Fury's back. Uh, I don't know if anyone took the, the retirement seriously outside of my... My partner Ryan Clark, you seem to believe that Tyson Fury was done when he's making thirty million dollars every time he goes I in there and beats people. I just acknowledged that the man
0: retired. I acknowledge it. <laughs>
1: you can't. He said it. I love you. I hey 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 hey. Uh, I love how naive you're. Youthful, naive. Uh, uh you're so naive. Naivety. And you're so youthful Naivety about it. I mean, is the word. Naive, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the word. But you're so naive <laughs> and you're so youthful with it. So I love that you're like that, but again, a fight that's a little bit late, right? We, we wanted Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury a few years ago before Anthony Joshua yeah. lost twice. Not only does this, I mean, he's lost three times now, but not only does it hurt him in terms of negotiations, now you don't really believe it to be as competitive as it was before. But do you still Ryan Clark hit the buy button when the Gypsy King fights Anthony Joshua? Because You know what?
0: I I, I certainly do. Like, I'm going to buy the fight. I think Tyson Fury is, uh, as Lennox Lewis once put it, a pugilist specialist. I think Tyson Fury was born to be a boxer. And you're never going to get over the first feeling you thought when you just saw Anthony Joshua. Not necessarily the guy that fought Ruiz or the guy that lost a decision in his last fight, but the first time you actually looked at him, you know the the, the guy yeah. was like he it, the 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 body type of, of Ivan Drago, and it made you it mm-hmm. made you feel that he was going to be this imposing, powerful character, and now we've seen some of his uh, some of his deficiencies. Right now, he's not necessarily as tough, but I think you watch it to see if he can pull it out and pull some things up in this big matchup for him. Like, can I erase Mm -hmm. erase what people think about me from the three losses? Can I get out of Deontay Wilder saying that they basically built me, right? They, 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 They handed everything to me. Does he drum up some of that anger we saw after the decision in the last fight where he's running around the ring, you know, acting all tough and doing all that stuff? Can he find some of that During the round, can he find some of that during the fight and land a punch on Tyson Fury that puts him on his butt for good where he doesn't pop up like the Undertaker Mm -hmm. as he did in the first fight against Deontay Wilder? So to me, I'm excited about seeing it because of what it can be. And now if it doesn't turn into that, then they fleeced me out of my money. But it's cool because I got like 17 jobs and I got 17 jobs (laughs) so I can probably waste some money if they don't give me what I need. (laughs)
1: Hey, RC, I think we might be the two most busy dudes in the entire world. We just work and work and you know what it tells me? Hey. ESPN ain't paying us enough. They ain't paying us enough that we gotta hey. have so many damn jobs in this world. Hey, let's talk. <laughs> crazy. Like we gotta talk. We gotta talk to somebody hey, around up. here, brother. Hold up, but- RC. I, that's what I'm saying, RC. We need to walk up in there together. We, when I go to New York, we gonna go to. I'm gonna go to Bristol. We gonna we gonna run up on somebody up in the on Connecticut. But, so <laughs> my thing is this though, Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua fought well in his last fight. I can't say the kid's name, Chick or Olsick, whatever his name is, the guy that's beaten him two times. But it hurt him on the negotiations because before he would have had a 50-50 split with Tyson Fury. But what he is doing is he's giving himself an opportunity to correct everything because by going and fighting the man, if you can beat the man, all is forgiven in boxing. And as you said, RC, big names don't die in boxing, they just get another opportunity to try and prove yourself again, and that is what Anthony Joshua gets the chance to do. Uh, Cyril uh, is do- his doppelganger, yeah. those guys both look the same, right? Cyril Ghosn also brings Swole that emotion up. from you when you see his, it's like the yeah. same type of thing. This guy should be the baddest man on the planet. But you know what? Hey, All DC, these I, don't mean, I, I know we got to move about. on. Okay. I know, wait, I know we got to mm-hmm.
0: move on, but I'm going to say this. You know what looking at Cyril GaN and Anthony Joshua is like? It's like when you go it's to it. Whole Foods what? and the dude bagging your mm-hmm. groceries is 6'10", right? Mm-hmm. And the first thing you ask him yes. is, you ain't play no basketball? You know what I'm saying? So it's like when I see yeah. these two dudes, I want both of them yeah. to be these monsters that just beat on people mm-hmm. powerfully. And when they fight with all this skill, it basically just pisses me off. But, um, okay, let's move on because we got to get into super fights. Hey. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, we absolutely do. But you know what else also tells me that? You, you not only have 17 jobs, you have 17 good jobs if you're shopping at Whole Foods. So let's talk about fights <laughs> that we want to see, right? Fights that we want to see. And honestly, RC, for me, when I'm talking about the fights that I want to see, my first fight is Hamza Chimaev versus Israel Adesanya. Because now, especially that we feel like Hamza is going to be fighting up at middleweight with the weight issue, mm-hmm. that's going to be a fun fight because is this dude really real? It seems as though that's the case. But you fight a guy like Israel Adesanya, the last, stout, the last guy, RC, that has made the impact that Hamzad has made that quick is Israel Adesanya. Hey, Alexander Volkanovsky wants to go up to 155. They're fighting for the belt right now. He said he's going to weigh in as an alternate just to be there, even though he was injured. But if he needs a fight to welcome him to 155, how about stick him in there with Justin Gaethje, RC? I mean, you put Volk in there with Justin Gaethje. Now we're having fun. Now we're cooking with fish grease like the boy from Duck Dynasty used to say. Or fish oil. (laughs) And my third fight is one that's already on the books. I want to see Oliveira versus Makachev. I know you're going to give me a hard time about it, but I want to see if Charles Oliveira, the most exciting fighter in the entire UFC, can stop Islam Makashev. Can he stop that train that is going down the railroad tracks at 100 miles an hour with his jiu-jitsu or with his striking and once again become the lightweight world champion? Those are three fights that I can't wait to see, and all three of them have the potential to happen, Ryan Clark no I think I think those fights are, are actually good fights and what
0: I've learned from doing this is I gotta make fights that have the potential of happening I can't just go all fandom so here's what my first fight and the other thing <laughs> you do is this you use some of the right people DC I would love to see okay. Hamzat Chemaev versus Robert Whitaker now I I know mm. that that's a fight that that can't happen, right? Because if he's going to fight at 185, I don't think he jumps right in to fight the style bender. But Robert Whitaker, someone with a little more wrestling skills, better takedowns, and t- maybe sometimes takedown defense than Israel Adesanya, fighting a guy like Chemayev, who we saw when he can't get someone to the mat, he will stand up and fight like we saw him fight against Gilbert Burns. But I believe that Robert Whitaker is even more skilled on his feet, and that would be a great challenge. I'm going to get to see Olivero Makachev. I would love to see Alexander Volkanovski fight Charles Oliveira. And here's why. Obviously, Charles Oliveira is the number one contender right now because he was stripped of his belt because he missed the weight. But he's the best in the world at 155 right now. Alexander Volkanovski at 145. I would love to see those two men fight in the technical and technical battle that would be both on the feet and with Alexander Volkanovski having to avoid getting into a jiu-jitsu match on the mat with someone as great as Charles Oliveira, who has the most submissions in UFC history. And I would like, and I know this is not our guy, but Jon Jones, Cyril Gane, And this wouldn't have been a fight I would have picked before watching Cyril Gane fight Ty Tuivasa. The, the skill, the power, fighting through adversity once he was dropped. I loved seeing all of those things, and a lot of it reminded me of some of the skill we had seen from Jon Jones. I feel like that's a matchup where John Jones walks in immediately to a higher weight class with a man who understands using his strikes, using his distance, using his athleticism, but is a naturally bigger human than John Jones is that really puts him to the test. Are you one of the greatest fighters that has ever
1: lived right away? You know what, Ryan? That's a that's a good list. Those are great fights. Um Volkan Oliveira would be tremendously that, fun. But it seems like it seems like Whitaker and Chemayev are now friends. like it seems like right away they're friends because Chemayev went to the post-fight press conference and said, "I'd like to train with Robert Whitaker." so you know how that goes in, in fighting today These guys are all making friendships and then they don't have to fight each other. <laughs> and then Jones got would be a very fun fight. I think that is probably one of the toughest matchups for uh, John Jones yes. at heavyweight immediately. But RC, as with every week, huh, you know what we got to do. We got to tap in. I mean, Hey, Ryan got that nice watch on today because this dude been getting reps. This dude been getting reps. Let's tap in <laughs> and tap out. Corporate Jake, let's go. All
4: right, guys. Following his win Saturday night, Rodrigo Nascimento told DC that people tell him all the time that they look alike. So, RC, <laughs> what tap hell? in or tap out that DC and Rodrigo are long-lost brothers.
0: I, I, I tap out on long-lost brothers. They're definitely distant cousins, though. There is somewhere somewhere <laughs> down the line, D.C.'s uh, papa or uh, uncle was a Rolling Stone, and that is his cousin. <laughs> you look at them, man, they got the same <laughs> t- sort of midsection. Uh, their hairlines are very comparable, I would say. The only other thing is this, D.C.'s <laughs> just a much better fighter. But as far as looks, that's your cousin, D.C. <laughs> D.C., that day. Hey, hey, like RC. they asked Day Day on, <laughs> on Friday. Day Day, this your
1: cousin? <laughs> yeah. R.C., <laughs> <laughs> RC, I ain't never seen the pictures next to each other, but that's my son, man. Is that my son? I mean, what, <laughs> what is going on? Is this my kid? Like, look at this. Like, how old is this dude? How old is Nascimento? Because I'm trying to see what's going on out here. This is my kid. This has to be my kid, man. Of course, I tap in, Jake. That's my son, man. <laughs>
4: All right, guys, in a recent interview, Henry Cejudo made comments that the reason Hamzat have missed weight versus Nate Diaz was because he is training too much during camp. So, DC, tap in or tap out on overtraining leading to missed weight for Hamzat. Uh,
1: I, I tap out. I tap out because I feel, like, I feel like you have to overtrain when you're too big for a weight class. Because when I was making 205, I did – 13 to 14 sessions a week, and that would be considered overtraining. That's doing two-a-days on on um, on on Monday through through uh, Friday. That's doing two-a-days on the weekend, and that's also mixing in extra workouts. So I was actually doing more. I was hitting pads on Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6 a.m. in the morning to add a workout in in order to get extra weight off. You constantly got to be burning calories when you're too big for a weight class. So I don't think that's what led to him missing the weight. Honestly, RC, oh, my God, I drink coffee. Honestly, I, I just feel like he made a decision. I think he just made a decision that he wasn't going to do it when he got to a certain weight class and understanding that, that weren't the, the repercussions for him were not going to yes, be as severe as some of the other people. I think he just made a decision not to do yep. it. So I tap no, out. Yeah, I agree with that too. Yeah, I, I,
0: I tap out on it. I mean, I just think even – Almost from a physical a physical standpoint, it doesn't make sense to me uh, that training more makes you heavier. That 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 just doesn't <laughs> wait for me. And also, when you miss the weight, you know what that is. That RC
1: was a RC. You know what that is. RC. That's a dude that like huh. left his high school went to the Olympic Trainer Center, won the Olympics, and never decided to go back to college. Like, I, just like, yeah, yeah, I didn't like, go to whatever. college type shit that Eric Sahuda won. Du-
0: I'm done with it. I'm done with it. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so that, that, that don't make no sense to me, Corporate Jake. What we got next?
4: <laughs> All right, guys, middleweight title challenger Alex Pereira has a new form of target practice, shooting a soccer ball with a bow and arrow. RC, tap in or tap out on Pereira's form of target practice.
0: First off, uh, I tap out on it because I don't want him being able to shoot an arrow like this and kick the soccer ball as well. It just seems very scary for a man that th- that is this deadly on his feet inside an octagon to also be that deadly with his foot and a born arrow outside of it. But I will tap in on this. <laughs> How big is this dude? Holy <laughs> cow. Like that man fights at 185? <laughs> oh my gosh. Like when you look at Alex Pereira, he is on on a different plane both physically and obviously skill-wise and mentally because he can do all that. I tap in and out all at the
1: same time, DC. <laughs> um I didn't know what he was doing. I didn't think he was going to kick the ball and then shoot the ball before it got back down to the ground. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> I don't know what that <laughs> I don't know what that does for your training for a fight though. It seems like he was out there having fun, and honestly, RC, you know it's crazy. Like when I one time I was at the Saints facility and I kicked a 47-yard field goal, and I was surprised because I made it. So for Pajeda to actually be jumping up and down tells me that he surprised himself. So I don't know if he's ever done that before. He was just lucky enough to get it on camera because when I kicked that DC. field goal, I kind of celebrated like I had I, I surprised myself. What Ryan? What Ryan? DC,
0: you kicked a 47-yard field goal. 47-yard field goal
1: forty-seven, yards, DC. 40, 47 DC. yard field goal. Forty-seven yard field goal. Forty-seven yard DC. Forty. Forty-seven yard field goal. Ashon Payton. <laughs> DC. The ball was 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 spotted at the
0: thirty-seven yard line. Is what you're telling me, and you kicked no, you no, no, kicked no, no. an oblong no, no, no. object made of an <laughs> oblong object wait, made of pigskin through a
1: big H. That's what you're telling me. Wait, so wait, so wait, so wait, so It was wait, the most wait, exhilarating wait. experience. So the 30, it, no, so wait, so wait, so wait. How far is the end zone? How far is the end zone? 10 big, yards. Is the end zone it's 10, 10 yards. yards or 15 yards? It's 10 yards. And then 32, the 32-yard 32 line was where the ball was spotted. And then I'm five yards so back. So the, 42 yards. The, 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 okay. It's a 42, so it's a 40. I kicked a 42-yard field goal at the Saints facility back in 2014. I kicked it. My coach and I celebrated because we surprised ourselves. Now, that would that that's pretty impressive, Ryan. You gotta admit, 42-yard field goal, pretty impressive.
0: Well, if if it was on the 32-yard line and you snapped it, that means it was six yards back, so it was actually like 48 yards. DC, there's no yeah, way first, I'm saying on that's God's what green earth. That's what I'm, <laughs> there's no, <laughs> no. There's I'm telling you, that's what I thought. Guys, this is DC and RC. New episode. No, no, right, every wait, Tuesday no, no, no. on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please, we're also on ESPN2. Please. please continue to check us out. Um, DC and RC, where people lie about their feats. We have Wait, illegitimate I children show you the video. that fight and pop up in the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> Corporate Jake, he said I got the illegitimate show. Children. The show was great. It's getting you, better every time. <laughs> Thank you to Bo Nickel for seeing us. <laughs> Goodbye.